Geeks Unleashed Conversation. What is your secret origin? How did you get into and find your love for comics and pop culture? Um, I, I think actually my love of comics was the first love. So I, I, I play music as well. And obviously I write um, yeah. novels. But the first thing before I ever wrote stories or played any musical instrument or anything like that, first thing I got into was comics. Uh, I, I always say that I didn't find comics. I think they comic, found, they found comic me. books found me. Yeah. yeah. I loved action figures. Like action figures were my thing. Like I have uh, boxes of them <laughs> in the side room over here. So action figures, cartoons, all that stuff was like was my thing. Introduce myself to a different community. That when you go from one school to another, that's mm-hmm. completely different. It's kind of it can be jarring, right? But it was, it was something because it was a shared love, a shared experience. And that was one of the first times I realized that pop culture is a bridge. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 65. I'm Mark and I'm joined by my co-host. I'm Jasmine. <laughs> uh, for this week's episode, we are kicking off this month's conversation by speaking to the head of the pop culture philosophers on YouTube and the manager of the Deep Comics Shopping in Huntsville, Alabama. Welcome to Geeks Unleashed again, Robbie. Well, Station, thank you for having me, everybody. <laughs> no Glad worries. to be how, back. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, especially sitting here on a on a cool evening with two of my favorite podcasters. Cool oh, evening. Actually, Are you in Alaska? A cool <laughs> evening? I've got air conditioning and it's down. Okay. Low, let me tell you that. Fair. That's fair. Actually, <laughs> do you know what? I forgot to mention this before we started recording. I was listening to another podcast the other day. Uh the Cerebros podcast, which you were on, and you and you nicely said that we were joint favorites with them, which I thought was really nice of you. So thank you. Yeah, but here on your show, I can say that y'all are my sole favorites. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> F that Verno guy, whatever. I'm just kidding. Check out Cerebros. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was listening. I was listening in the car, like, and I was like, and you were, you were like initially, like, oh yeah, yeah, you're my favorite, and I was like, what? And then he, and then suddenly. <laughs> And then suddenly, you go, and then suddenly, you chipped in, going, "No, actually, you guys are joined with my other favorites, Geeks Unleashed." And I was like, "Oh, good." Like, I just like, say that to all the podcasts, yeah, yeah. Robbie. Yeah, he's, he's on. <laughs> Those he's two. On pop, he's, on, <laughs> he, he's on pop culture happy hour next week. He's going to tell them their favorite as well. So. Um, no, anyway, I'll be like, "You guys uh, suck." <laughs> <laughs> I do find that cheesy. What's making What's making you happy this week? I'm like, come on, man. What's wrong uh, with being uh, happy? Can't be happy every week. You can try. Before we jump into anything, um, it's something that's always been on my mind. I would love to know the origin of the three words "rocking Robbie Billups." How did that come about? <laughs> Well, two of those words are are my actual name. So that's, uh, no, but the whole rocking like yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm a fan of alliteration, right? So yeah. there there's an element of that. Um, so I was um when I was probably like ten, nine years old. Me and my cousins, we got together and we would make these like fake radio shows on cassette tapes, which is like <laughs> we, you know we had the you know we had the cassette recorder and the microphone yeah, yeah. and we would play yeah. music and. We just make these mixtapes, but we would do bits in between. And that was something that I continued doing through middle school and high school. And even at a point in high school, I had a few different shows. We had one that was called the Yak Club, where we just talked. And then we had one called the One Through Five Times Two, which was the top 10 
songs of the week kind of thing. And I collected CDs, uh, music and stuff like that. And I would, we would pass out these sheets where people would vote on their favorite song of the week, right? Like TRL before TRL yeah, yeah. in the nineties. Right. <laughs> and, and I would like play them and we would do bits in between. Like we would actually do like prank phone calls and stuff. Like there was this <laughs> one guy who was like the worker of the shell station every Saturday night. And we like, we had an ongoing conversation with him for months. Right. <laughs> and, and then we had a show called rocking with rock and Robbie. And it kind of came from this idea. Like when I was a kid, it was me, my cousin, Jeff, my cousin, Mike, and he was magic. Mike, he was jazzy Jeff. Yeah. They stole those names. And I was rocking <laughs> So that's kind of what we did. And I stuck with it through rock and Robbie. And when, when I, we they came up with the idea to first come back to podcast or, when I realized that I was doing podcasts before podcasts were a thing, just mm-hmm. on a cassette tape. Right. So I was like, well, I could do that. And I could bring back my show rocking with rock and Robbie. So I was like, I guess I'll be rocking Robbie. And then I just labeled myself rock and Robbie and now I'm stuck with it. And, uh, <laughs> but you just own you it. You say right? that like you want a different name. Do you want to, do you yeah. want to change it up or no, I like it. I like the flair to it. And everybody in the crew has that kind of name. There's dashing drew. There's uh uh bodacious brooks it's hammer time whole shoe it's justified justin um so that's kind of like what we do it's just a it's just a bit and within a bit which is Mm. within a bit which is called pop culture philosophers um so that's that's where that comes from and then jelani kind of bucks that trend because he's the he's the jelangsta gangsta so he has the rhyming thing and not the alliteration but he's the only one so yeah did you have a talk boy as well what you know the uh, Home Alone uh, thing. Oh man, Home no, I I wanted to talk boy, but yeah. I never got one. Yeah. And I had this little thing. The first thing I had was just like, I don't know, it was kind of flat looking, and you put the tape in, and it, and you just had the mic built in. And then later oh, yeah. on, I had like a shelf system with an external mic and and all that kind of stuff. And I was doing music and I was recording my keyboards and stuff like that too. So I was always obsessed with like the radio and I wanted to be on the radio. I wanted to be on the TV and things like that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I used to do a bit of that. We used to have a talk boy. Um, we used to listen to, I used to love that um, movie with um, Christian Slater. Oh, I've forgotten it. The illegal pirate radio station that he had. I forgot the name of it. Pump up he, the volume. Yeah. Pump up the volume where he was hard Harry. And um, I used to want to be hard Harry when I like, you know, like when I was younger, I used to want to have my own illegal radio station kind of podcasting has taken the fun out of illegal radio. <laughs> so, yeah. Nobody <laughs> listens to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, cheers for the, the background. I've always just wanted to know how the rocking rocking kicked in. Yeah, that's how it was. We, it was just, uh, it was just a nickname that I stuck with and I kept with, I've had many stage names. I was a, a lyricist for a while in a hip hop group and, and composer there. And, and my name was contact and, and then Rock and Robbie's just another another one. So it's just a it's a fun little it's a fun stupid thing, you know. Because it's like if I used to do a, the podcast Rock with Rock and Robbie. If you listen to it, like I come in and I'm like, "Hey everybody, welcome to Rockin' with Rock and Robbie," <laughs> and I, I'm like trying to make fun of the the morning shows. Like I hate yeah. morning radio shows. Like here in the states, at least, like they're they're atrocious. There's the they're like the lowest common denominator of like of live (laughs) broadcast entertainment to me, but like, there's something fascinating to me about them and poking fun at it. And, and that's kind of another where another place of where that kind of came on. And I still do that on my rock and Robbie lives. I I come in like, Hey everybody. I just, (laughs) Oh, come on. It ups the production value though. It makes you really feel like you're tuning in for something awesome. 
Yeah, it does. Hey, everybody, let's do this. <laughs> that was a pretty good uh, segue. We were talking about you were in a in a hip hop group before. So uh, give us give us the lowdown rundown on that one. Oh, man, I, I love music. I've been I was I started like rhyming and writing rhymes and performing even at like fifth grade. So like probably like nine, 10 years old. Right. And I was just fascinated with it in my, in, in that, in that time, it was kid and play. It was fresh Prince and uh jazzy Jeff. It was, it was that kind of the fat boys. Um, I was really obsessed with them. And then, and then very soon after that, I got into Dr. Trey way too young. <laughs> that, that's a transition uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Way too young. Snoop Dogg, Cypress Hill, house of pain, uh, uh, salt and pepper, like all that stuff. And I just, I loved hip hop. And so I just loved rapping. And for a while there, I went to a predominantly black school and <clears throat> it was probably kind of rough for like the first week or so. And then one time I just like started rhyming or something and uh, like everybody was into it. Right. And so like, I've, I've, it was a cool way to kind of like introduce myself to a different community that when you go from one school to another, that's mm -hmm. completely different. It's kind of, it can be jarring. Right. But it was it was something because it was a shared love, a shared experience. And that was one of the first times I realized that pop culture is a bridge, you know, a cultural bridge. It truly lives up to the name culture. Right. And so I, I, I've always loved rhyming. And then at one point, uh, so I was in certain bands. I was in a Christian rock band for a while called Limit. I was oh, wow. the keyboard player there. And uh, but uh, eventually I met this guy named Kevin, whose stage name was Skeptic, and my stage name was Contact, and I would kind of spit rhymes here and there, but I wasn't doing anything serious with it. And he had the, the computer and, the, and, and all that kind of stuff, and I just had like this like crude Casio keyboard, right? And uh, so we kind of worked together, and we kind of came up with some things. And so we did this group called The Basement Show uh, for a few years. We did a bunch of house parties, things like that, but took our music very seriously to the point where we like went up to West Virginia and lived in his brother's garage for like an entire summer. And all we did was uh, just smoke weed, drink beer and, and make an album. And it was great, but it was lonely. Too, at the same time. <laughs> so the garage band life was not for you. No, I, I had to come back home. My, my uh, sister had had her first kid. So now I was an uncle. So I decided I wanted to come back home and, and reunite with family and friends. And like, I never, like all we did there, like I didn't ever really, we never really like joined the community or nothing. All we did was live in this garage <laughs> and make this album. What did it you do wild. with the album? Oh, uh, we, we released it. We came back and uh, we, we self-produced like 500 copies and sold them all out in one house party show that we did at a, uh, it was actually at an apartment, um, an apartment complexes, uh, rec room we rented it out yeah yeah and we filled it up and and we sold them all out <laughs> that night so i don't even have a copy of the original one just just uh, seriously just mp3s yeah i sold every last one i was like make every dollar we can <laughs> <laughs> we haven't worked for four months <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried to look for any of them on ebay or anything no but one time i was at the uh, a local record shop and i found one of our eps that we had done fight the night <clears throat> which we had probably done like a year before that um, I had like five songs and it was there and it was five bucks, but it was there for like every time I went there for years and it kind of bummed me out. <laughs> so you didn't just like buy it for yourself out of pity? No, I didn't. I actually still have a copy of that one though. Just not the original CD where we like spent crazy money to buy a CD writer 
oh, yeah. that would print labels on it. And so we oh. put pictures of ourselves on it, but it would look like, remember that Game Boy photo app or whatever yeah. it was? Like, it looked like one of those kind of things, like printed on <laughs> it. Was so it's like, we're talking like 2005, six and seven here. So <clears throat> wild stuff. Good times though. Lots of partying, lots of uh, thinking that I was the next genius that was going to change hip hop and culture and, <laughs> and everything like that. So, uh, but it was fun. It was super fun. Would you go back and change it or you wouldn't do anything different? Uh, no, <clears throat> I would probably try to convince myself, though, that, you know, the answer is not to do just MySpace, really. you got to get on YouTube <laughs> as soon as you can. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace. I remember fighting with my friends uh, about Facebook and I was like, I'm never going to get on Facebook. If you want to talk to me, talk to me on MySpace. And they're like, oh, my God, you're such a loser. Nobody uses MySpace. And I'm like, screw you guys. I'm not using Facebook. They eventually got pissed off enough that they created a fake Facebook or not a fake one. They created a Facebook account for me, told all of my other friends to friend me. And then when I graduated, they gave me the password and the login. And they were like, here, we built you a Facebook account. There you go. You're welcome. And I was like, I hate you guys. <laughs> At least you, you didn't have to start from the ground up, though. This right? is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> you came in, came in with like a, it's like a preloaded account. Yeah. 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 <laughs> While we're speaking to you about music, um, is there any sort of um, influences that you, um, you know, when you first went into school and even now? Well, yeah, I mean, I had been rhyming since I was way younger, right? With the Fresh Prince and Kid and Play and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, in those stages, I was, we were getting into, I remember what I was rhyming was a Snoop Dogg song. It was, what's my name? And, oh, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> uh, at one point, somebody, they were like, somebody was, I don't know, they were like trying to get like a rise out of me. And they're like, what's your name, fool? Like he said that, right? And like it, my head just clicked to the music video and I was like, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and then I just kicked into the whole thing, you know, from the depths of the sea, you know, all that shit, right? So, yeah. and, uh, but no, I love that stuff. Like I loved Pac. I love, I was more of the West Coast flavor. So I loved everything Dre did. I love, I was really into Death Row. Um, I was into Cypress Hill. Um, I got into West or East Coast stuff a little bit later. Never like the Puff Daddy, Bad Boy, Biggie type stuff. That was never really my jam, but Nas really changed my life. So Nas and of course Beastie Boys. And, and then I got in, I'm, I'm still in a late phase of my life where I'm really fully starting to really appreciate Wu-Tang and all that kind of stuff, right? But like KRS-One and Gangstar and stuff like that. So that was always a big thing, but I was also into like rock music and I just always hate, I just hated music that was old when I was growing up, right? When I was growing up, I hated like the music that my parents listened to that was like from the 70s, all the Bon Jovi and all the Guns N' Roses from the oh 80s. Oh my gosh. I hated all that stuff. And so I wanted my own music. And I found that with, with these, with these hip hop, you know, acts and with these, these alternative rock bands, things like Live and Green Day and Bush and Offspring and Nine Inch Nails and, and then eventually yeah. Marilyn Manson. And sadly, eventually at one point in my life, I thought Limp Biscuit was the best band ever. <laughs> Thank you. I was on that train too. <laughs> we were talking about that not too long ago on Rock and Robbie Live. I think Mark was there for that. Actually. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I jumped in. There was that, there's a, you know, there's a few times where I've been listening to Limp Biscuit, and I have to say, I lost track of my speed uh, of my car as I was like, <laughs> and I'm suddenly like, hold on a minute. I'm over the speed limit a lot. Like, and I'm I actually like, found yeah. one of my old family values tour CDs. Like I was cleaning my room at my parents' house and I was like, Oh my God, this thing. Seriously. I think I, I, think I still have the DVD. 
And uh, I still watch it occasionally. It's such a weird stretch, but it's oh, so man. fun to revisit it. Yeah, but then when I got into my 20s, I started getting into uh, the stuff that I neglected. That's when I started getting into uh, New Order, uh, The Cure, The Clash, uh, The Buzzcocks. I've started huh. getting into punk all rock. All of that uh, old music you branch. said you all didn't the, like before. All the old music. Uh, fog Hat. I fell really deep into oh, a man. Fog Hat oh, hole and never hat. really fully came out of it because of my love of the movie Days Confused because that's also when I was really discovering in my later teens, early twenties, like the film that I mm-hmm. loved and, and the music that's associated with that. And it got me digging back. Like I got in the seventies rock because of days of confused. Um, and probably any of these eighties movies that I love got me into things like the cure or the new wave stuff. They used to just kind of laugh off. But uh, my first favorite song ever was power of love uh, from back to the future though. I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I love that as well. No, I, I can relate to that. Like as I was growing up, I didn't want to listen to old stuff that my parents li- like listen to, and constantly hear them moaning at me for like listening to things like I listen to a lot of stuff, but hip hop. They, my mum and dad, are completely anti hip hop. My mum is like, it's just talking, it's just talking. No, I'm like, mum, it's it's <laughs> more. It, even even now, even now, she says that it's still talking. I'm like, it's not just talking, mum. There is a skill to hip hop and rap. Like you know, yeah. um, I'm sure now, if now I, it's uh, now it's just mumbling. That's all. It is. <laughs> Just kidding. Just uh, <laughs> uh, actually, to be fair, I only really like older hip hop. I don't, don't really listen to too much newer stuff. Right? So yeah, hip hop is a very uh, youth. It's like punk, right? It's very youthful, right? So like, I would like. I don't think I'm in a, p- a position where I'm into a new hip hop or punk artist because I'm. That's not where it, I'm not targeted to that. Like, that's not what it's targeted at, right? Hmm. Like, I'm forty. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm supposed <laughs> to be listening to adult contemporary. Like I get, I get really excited. I'm like, they're playing smashing pumpkins on the radio. Like, <laughs> no, but what's the trip now is they now play stuff like that. Like, like they play live, they play Everclear, they play smashing pumpkins on the classic rock station. And I'm like, yeah. fuck, fuck you. This is not classic rock, but yeah. thank you for making me feel old. We have, we okay. get to go see them on these anniversary tours where they're like, it's the 30th anniversary of that album you loved in high school. And you're like, Whoa. Wow. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. I, I don't know if you two, I don't know if you two know this, but I, uh, these two bands, but I got in the car the other day and I turned on um, the radio and like a future head song was playing. That's a, like a, a British indie band. And I was like, wow. Like, and I've been so went to see future when I was younger. And then the next song that came on was placebo. And again, it was from when I was younger. I was like, fucking hell like these are two of my songs on the radio like one after the other i was like um but i i do struggle with more current music i have to say the music i constantly go back to is from sort of between i would say sort of 16 and 30 like that's kind of the music that i still listen to i do now i, I even as i was getting older i did start to jump into older stuff but i kind of when i did i wanted to do it out of the earshot of my parents because i hated them going oh you like it now you like it i'm like yeah okay <laughs> I don't, I don't need to be told, oh, I like stuff that I did not used to like, like, you know, so. Um, I was you know, the I, opposite. Like I listened to what my parents listened to. So when I was a kid, like I listened to country music. So like the Judds and Reba McIntyre and like Garth Brooks, but like old, like 80s, early 90s country music. And then uh, my dad listened to classic rock. So like by the time I was old enough to go to like middle school, I had nothing in common with any of the kids because I was like, I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> I do still there. I do still like some new music. Right. But it has to like it has to, it, it's, it's harder for me to discover. I don't actively go out to look for it. Right. Like you yeah. used to. We used to go hang out at the CD short stores 
and you would listen to music. You would try out CDs. You would hang out there all afternoon and leave spending like 20 bucks on like three or four CDs, right? And that just doesn't really exist now. Now we got the internet, but I mean, when I'm on the internet, I'm doing other things. I'm not focused in on that, but I'll fall ass backwards into some things sometimes. Like uh, I'm a big fan of Eve Six. And so Max Collins from Eve Six started the band Fitness. So I got into fitness and I had the opportunity to see and meet them a few years ago. And so I went there and they were opening for Big Data and Castle Cumner, Cumner. And then I got really into Big Data and Castle Cumner, great indie bands. That got me into Joy Wave. But I have to kind of find these things by accident. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like I'm that dude who just discovered one of my favorite R&B singers of all time now, The Weeknd, because he did the Super Bowl. Like, you get what I'm saying? I'm like, who's this Weeknd guy? Everybody's like, yeah. are you serious? This guy's a Grammy award-winning artist. And I was like, I'm new to me. <laughs> uh, do, do you know, I think a bit the same, because I've got um, kids and my, my oldest is 11. And like, I've kind of got into a British rapper Stormzy, like the last few years. And I, and I, now, I now listen to his music on my own. Like, <laughs> and um i actually would say probably my gateway to new music is probably now sound like a sad old man now like through my kids <laughs> your kids but <laughs> 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 uh, well, i definitely would recommend listening to stormzy um any, any uh chance robbie of a of a little geeks unleashed freestyle oh lord <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do do no. you need another beer? Should I come back to you later? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, I don't know about a freestyle. I can, I'll, I'll, I'll twist something out that I wrote. How about that? Okay. Okay. Is that good enough? Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. No Let's one will see. know. No one will okay. know. No one will know. Right. No one. Will <laughs> we, won't, know. We, we won't tell anyone. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. We're not live. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Full effect with my friends. Now you know your schemes are hopeless. Focus emotions before we end up broken. Took away the lies. Let the truth be spoken. Now that that's said, let's get back to drinking. Dance a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The feeling is sinking. I have this funny feeling. Believe me, everything has a hidden meaning. Or it doesn't. I don't have a fucking clue. I'm just contact and I do what I do. So don't be prude and I won't be rude. If you look for someone better, won't find another dude. Don't come through and aggravate me. And if you play real, I congratulate thee. Don't act heavy or try to test me now take that shit away before you nauseate me nice fucking brilliant <laughs> I, i'd come see you sell some tickets yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> um switching up gears a little bit sort of jumping into uh comic book talk um actually we'd sort of love to hear kind of your secret origin like how did you get into pop culture like you know what was your first if you remember like because i don't remember actually no i do remember i do remember my first ever comic uh it was radioactive man <laughs> like, nice from bongo like i but that's not what got me into comics i started picking up like x-men and stuff but what was your sort of what how what was your gateway so um <clears throat> my mother got married to my stepdad when i was four and he was in the Navy and he was reading comics. And so he would send me the comics that he was picking up when he would like be stationed somewhere or something. Right. And he'd ship them to me. And so the very first one I remember reading was uh, DC Comics Presents. The issue number escapes me. I recently did it uh, on DC in the 80s for, for Rock and Robbie Live. But it, it was a Captain Comet and a Superman crossover. Um, and it was about Haley's Comet. So it's from 1986 when all that stuff was going on. 
Um, but he was also sending me stuff like Amazing Spider-Man. I remember the first stuff I was reading was like Gang War. Um, X-Men around like issue 199 and 200 and 201, things like that. I remember getting those. Fantastic Four at that time when She-Hulk was a member. Uh, oh, wow. They were about to get married to Johnny Storm. And then he sent me this big batch of older comics of his. Not older, just a few years older. And there was John Byrne Fantastic Four. There was John Byrne Superman. And I just dived in and just ate it all up. And then I remember the comic book explosion after 1989's Batman and going to my first comic shops and just, wow. And I was like, man, I want my house to look like this. And if you see my place, it looks like- I think you're pretty close. It looks like a toy store, like seriously, right? So like, if you come over to my house, you're chilling, you're watching TV in the living room, you see all of this and more. Right. So uh, people say that all the time. It looks like a comic shop in here, like a toy store. I'm like, thank you. That's <laughs> a lifelong dream. But, uh, and, and I was introduced to these characters too. Like they would buy me the toys. Superpowers was a favorite line of mine as a kid. Um, uh, we talked about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, obviously the Secret Wars line uh, and watching those cartoons that were associated with it in the 80s, the Spider-Man cartoons, the uh, Superpowers, Super Friends cartoons and the reruns of those. And then into Batman and the X-Men in the 90s and just becoming obsessed. And once I was hooked in and spending my own money in comic shops in the early 90s at like 10 years old, I would like, I'd mow grass all the damn time just because I, and I would, I would skip lunch, right? And save lunch money so I could buy more comics that next week. Uh, yeah. I loved it. I loved going to the comic shop. I always wanted to be a part of it. I always wanted to be there. Um, and thus my life now, I guess, it's just always been a fascination. And it was ingrained in a very early age, um, mainly because of my stepfather who sent me those comics and I saw him reading comics. And I remember the day I realized and learned that in his closet, there was a suitcase. And in that suitcase were all of these savage tales of Conan. And wow. I wasn't supposed to read those. <laughs> <laughs> but... That was when I was like, comic books can also be forbidden. And so there's, a cool, there's a cool subversive nature to it, too, that I always has always appealed to me as well. I mean, there are worse early. things to find in boxes that you shouldn't be reading. So that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing there was Savage Conan and not Savage something else. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> that would have been a really terrible youth experience. Yeah. So. In another world, there's that <laughs> Robbie. You know, and I feel for him. So. And, uh, he's running some other kind of shop so. <laughs> <laughs> with black windows or something like that. So, <laughs> um, you're also involved in uh, editing of comics, like um, so Black Speck, uh, um, sorry Black Speck from Dance Panda Comics, and um, I just sort of wondered how did, how did that come about, and have you got anything else going on? Well, I don't have anything else going on right now <clears throat> because the shop and PCP take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, and also trying to have some semblance of life. You know, I have a new yeah. partner that I've been involved with for the last five to six months, and I'm very happy with her. Um, and I'd like to be able to spend more time with her. We both have crazy work schedules and we're both artists and doing different things. But, uh, you know, it's finding that balance is something right. And I always wanted to go back and do it. I, I want to be a creator. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. want to just comment and critique and and bemoan and lament, you know, sometimes like I do. But uh, so I, I got involved with uh, Dance Panda because my buddy Lance, L.W. Allen, uh, was trying to self-publish comics. 
Um, he's still working on it. He's on a bit of hiatus right now. Um, but, uh, and he wanted to do a book called Black Spec. And he wanted me to get involved as a possible co-writer, co-creator, and editor. And so at the time, there was only so much I could do. And we knew that. So we had a few meetings together and he pitched his idea. And then I, I offered some ideas in return. And then together we molded his initial idea into what Black Spec became. And it was important to both of us. Um, and by the way, he wrote it all. So I do have a co-creatorship on there. I own part of the property, but it's all like Lance was the one, right? And we commissioned uh, Claudio Munoz out of uh, Chile to do the artwork. The artwork is absolutely fantastic. We had him actually simplify his style uh, to make it look more animated because it was very weird. It was very important to us to do an all ages sci-fi comic book that was short, punchy, and sweet with bold colors and, and really cool ideas about distrust of authority, uh, the importance of, uh, of the individual and the collective at the same time, right? That even a black speck can change everything, right? And the idea is, is about this world that's just like, it's ridden with dust. And they have to wear gas masks when they go out. And there's a lot of uh, almost an Egyptian motif because that was, that was a wild idea I had that we should put in some like thematic elements to kind of tie it in to a mythological uh, kind of anchor. Um, yeah. And so, it, and it's about this world. It's about this kid who finds this particle that could it re-enrich the world right? And, 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 and bring plants back and make it a paradise again. And, and the, the authorities in that world want to hold his ideas back because he's rebellious. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's the one that's questioning the official story. Maybe this doesn't actually sound that, that awesome in their current state, but back <laughs> a few years ago, this was, you know, pre-COVID, this idea of like questioning the idea of putting on masks uh, and doing this kind of stuff. But I mean, that was not what we were thinking. <clears throat> Damn, I just realized you could totally read into the book differently now. Um, well, but also like if you have you seen the second episode of What If? No, not yet. OK, because uh, I am i don't know. Somebody over at Marvel must have been like digging through your old stuff because that whole thread about the plant revitalizing absolutely everything is a major, major plot point of the second episode of What If? Oh, really? Yeah, well, I better call. I better call L-Dub. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> uh, but now that's what it's, it was. Just, it was important to us to have it be understood that you can be rebellious. You can feel different. <clears throat> you can uh, not fit in with others, but it doesn't mean that you're not important. It doesn't mean that your ideas are not important and your ideas cannot actually, actually affect change in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we were trying to do with that was the idea of, cause I learned very early on with movies like ET to question the government. You know what I'm saying? That was ingrained <laughs> in, in, in the fiction of the 80s, that, that distrust. And I think that's a healthy distrust. I think we need to question everything. You need to question the government. We need to question our own thinking. We need to question everything. We got to question reality. We got to every day, you got to go, but what if? Mm. Bringing it back to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that, though. I think that it's, it's important to put out enough content for younger audiences to kind of have it be a stepping stone or like a toe in the water for them to then decide if that is something that they want to explore a little bit more. Um, but I also think like that lower point of entry is, is a real sweet spot with comics because that's, that's usually my biggest problem. It's like, I, you know, people talk about all these books and like, Oh, this run and that run and that run. And it's like, this has been going on for 20 years. Like how do I jump into a 20 year old book versus like having something like that? It's almost like a gateway 
right? So like you're, you're creating the kind of book that's a gateway for a kid to open their, expand their horizons and then be like, oh man, I really love this book. Now I'm going to go look and see what else is like this and just kind of level up from there. Yeah, because kids do read comics. I mean, there's yeah. a reason why the best-selling graphic novel in America is Dogman, right? And it's <laughs> mostly sold at like Scholastic book fairs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? Like if if they had comics when I was going to Scholastic, I mean, I bought all the kinds of crazy stuff at the Scholastic book fair. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about crazy ass pencils and erasers mm-hmm. and, and posters of Magic Johnson and just <laughs> great books. You know, every book about universal monsters I could get my hands on and, you know, just re- enlivened and enriching my life learning to read. And it's cool because kids do like this kind of material. The problem is the really successful stuff seems to be like really like aimed at a very young audience. Right. right? And then you have the middle-aged stuff that mm-hmm. some of it performs well, but for, it seems like more manga performs overwhelmingly better, but the bridge between Dogman and one piece and the direct market in comic books is, it just seems that gap between it and the other two, it just seems so wide. Like why is there not more of a progression into, you know, right. it's weird. It's weird to me. You just so, reminded me with the Scholastic book fair. I used to read those um, as a kid, the Scholastic um, puzzle adventure books. Did you read those? No. Do you know that? Like they were I don't remember where, puzzles. No, puzzle adventure. Like, um, so they were short stories, like maybe like 20 pages or something as a book. And then every, so every double page, there would be like a mystery within the page. So it'd be like uh, one, there was, a, there was a couple of them, like Agent Arthur, and at the end of every double page, they'd be like, what is it? What is it um, that Agent Arthur hasn't seen? And then you'd have to look in the page to find the, the mystery. But that was all uh, like, a, it was basically like a comic book. It was animated, but it was in a book. So yeah, I used to I used to love those as a kid as well. So I used to get those from our school book fair as well. Man, no, I never had those. I remember Choose Your Own Adventure. I used to eat those up mm-hmm. like crazy. I loved Choose Your Own Adventure. I guess that's fairly similar, like, um, but yeah, so, and then uh, all the answers would be on the back page. So like, if you obviously got really stuck. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, talking about the comic that you helped create, that's a, it's a sweet, sweet look, you know, you know, you are the reason that Mark is really bad with transitions. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like <laughs> the way that you do transitions when you're doing your live shows and it, they're just so far in left field. That I don't yeah. even know how you can even call it a segue. And now, <laughs> now you've got Mark doing the same thing. And every time he does it, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. I, I, I've done it a handful of times. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's we're talking about, co- I mean, it you is. Can't, it you is. can't overdo it though, right? No, 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 <laughs> that's why. Right. But every time I've done a random segue, she's like, who are you, Robbie? I'm yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like look i'm just trying to move us on <laughs> so, like, yeah it's a good way to just interject move on make it yeah. absurd and and jarring like yeah. if someone's yeah. listening you know and if it's not you feel like it's not you know it's okay we need to get back and yeah. then you do that and uh sometimes they just present themselves yeah. and i can't help it like somebody will say something and i'll be like speaking of yeah, yeah. you just, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. have to say it right yeah. uh, so transitioning sort of to like the comic book shop stuff um how long have you actually been working at the deep in in alabama i have been working there uh in its current form 
for 11 years, just, just crossed 11 years about a month ago. Wow. Um, but I did work there two years before in 2003 and 2004. And then in 2001 through 2003, I worked at a, another shop that eventually got swallowed up by the deep. And that's mm-hmm. why I wound up at the deep. Oh, wow. And then I went into other ventures and then came back um, when I realized that the uh, movie video store manager experience was not quite for me. Um, so <laughs> then I went, I went back to the deep and, and I've been very, very happy there for 10 years. I was going to say, when you left that first time, hopefully you left under good terms if they swallowed them up, because that would have been oh, really awkward. Yeah, I mean, at that point, at that point, I was just, I had been, I was basically just working there a few days a week, and I was working at the sandwich shop, and and I was involved in a very serious relationship, and it was kind of like, one day we had that conversation, and uh, so I went and got a real job at a car dealership, and uh, hated my life for a couple of years, but it was fine, <laughs> had some good times. Uh, but you, but your true heart was obviously back at comics. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's a chance that some people listening to this podcast have got different journeys in comic books. Like you, you know, you got into comics when you were sort of before ten. I my first comic shop was at fourteen. I didn't even know they existed until a friend of mine told me about them. Took me to one. Um, so and then there are some people like that may have popped in here and there and buying comics. So. Basically, everyone's on a different journey with comic books. Well, those people that have an interest, a different journey. Like me and Jasmine have the conversation. Like I go there regularly or you know, buy online regularly and been doing it a long time. And Jasmine's got different questions sometimes she asks me. But I thought, why not pick the brains of a, of a store manager? And um, so just even start with like the basics Like for anyone listening. You know, you must have people coming in. Because um, so I had a friend of mine recently say to me, he went into a comic shop and you've heard about the expression gatekeepers uh, and he wanted to set up a stand in order or pull list or whatever. And the comic shop said no until he became a regular and they got to know him, um, which I thought was a bad move and that put him off. And, but just sort of for people that don't know, you know, what is a pull list Robbie and how, like, how does it work when someone comes in to see you? Well, first of all, that's poor customer service. Oh, from no, that no. Shop, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, a pool list is like we it's like a subscription service, right? Basically. Yeah. Some chart, you know, for instance, at my shop, you come in, we have a, a a sheet for you to fill out. You write down what comic books you want to subscribe to. Mm-hmm. We specifically order those for you because comic shops have to order their books like two to three months ahead of time, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to kind of gauge the interest mm-hmm. in something. And so pre-ordering is something that's very important in the comic book industry to let these smaller shops know what the, what you want. Right. Because all the time people will be like, well, why don't you have this book? And be like, literally nobody ordered it. Like nobody ordered it. So we did a minimum order. It seemed like there was no interest for it. Right now. I know it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Trust me. I know keeping up with everything because one thing I will say about comics right now, and I'm very positive about comic books, but there are too many and it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like every uh-huh. week, there's like more number ones. Every week, there's more relaunches, more more attempts to get your attention, to get your dollar in a market where let's we nobody out there is saying comic books are are too cheap. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. And so there's that that that's kind of an, an issue there. But a pull list, you just come in and you it, it it lets you know it lets your shop know what you're interested in, and then a good shop, hopefully they you will have people that read the books. 
that are going to want to talk to you about the books. And if you ask for recommendations, we'll be able to learn your tastes and then be able to recommend books that you will like. And then you get to dive in. Most people start with because of a favorite superhero or they want to read this or, oh, I heard this is good. Or, hey, I just read this Dark Knight Returns. You got anything else like that? And then they eventually dive into the more the more sophisticated and, and at times indie scene, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then that's when people are hooked because that's when they realize that you're getting some of the most original content and story in comic books right now. There is nothing on TV or in the movies like the mini deaths of Layla Star. There is nothing like Homesick Pilots in, on, on, on animation. There's nothing like that. That's a completely original concept and idea. That's why these, that's why Netflix and that's why Amazon, all these people are going to these comic books, you know, and they're like, hey, let's mine them for ideas. There's a really cool ideas there. There's nothing like East of West on television, you know, and, and at the same time, there's nothing like, I don't know, whatever a good popular TV show is in comics, right? But it's a different media with so much original ideas, uh, especially in that indie world. And I think that it's just such an amazing place for people who love story to, to really invest in because it's also, it's, it's a visual medium, but at the same time, it's, it's like that perfect bridge between novel and movie. It's a comic book, it's graphic novel, and there's nothing like it, right? Do you know what, actually, um, there's something I was, I think Jasmine told me about this recently, was obviously during the last 18 months, COVID um, has actually seen comic books actually rising, like becoming the most popular medium of TV and movies and everything. Have you seen, have you seen more people come into the store? You talked about how many comics there are, but have you, have you seen that rise in maybe customers coming? Uh, it's, <laughs> there, it goes back and forth. I see, I see new customers come in every week, but I also see people leave every week, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like at where it feels, I mean, the shop is growing and we're doing well, right? Mm-hmm. But we're supported by more than just comics and the comic books are doing well too. And a shop mm-hmm. that knows, and my shop's been in business for over 25 years. So if you know how to like punch all the numbers in and figure out, like we have a very like, intense system on figuring out how many of what we should order. We like everything is, it's very scientific. It's really crazy. And uh, the owner of my shop developed all that. And he's, he's amazing at all of that. Right. So, so if you're a good shop, you know, you, you can, if a book's not selling so well, there you go. But like, there is an over, there is a rise in interest in indie books. Right. But there's also a waning of interest in some of the superhero books. Mm -hmm. Like we have people that are, very excited about DC books and Marvel books right now, but we also have people probably more that are very dissatisfied. We have very dissatisfied customers that still buy all these books. Like, it's like, it's like, what are you trying to do a bit? Are you like me? Are you just reading Spider-Man to complain about it every other week? (laughs) But like, you know, like it seems like there is a level of dissatisfaction with big two, but a rise in satisfaction over the last few years in the independent creators, the image books, the boom books, the vault books, the Mad Cave books, the Scout books, stuff like that. The, the, the task, though, is because when someone comes in, they usually come into the big two, right? And if you don't keep that interest or somehow transfer that, like if you don't get this person because not, you know, most people consume media, they don't care who made it, you know what I'm saying? But if you get the right person, and this is something that's great about the comic shop as opposed to just streaming things online. Netflix will put whatever 
they're trying to market in front of your face, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. at a comic shop, a, a, a really good uh, clerk or, or you know worker there can tell you, hey, I noticed that you really like this book, this book, and this book. You like Swamp Thing. Uh, you like Catwoman. Have you ever read these Savage Shores? You ever read Rom V? Who's Rom V? He's the cat that writes those books that you really, really like. Oh, wow. They read these Savage Shores. That's really cool. Hey, you want to read something interesting? Let's let's test it. See if we can get a little bit more out there. You ever read Blue and Green? Check that out. They love Blue and Green. All of a sudden, now open them up to the Sandman. You can now have all of this canvas of weird, crazy comics mm-hmm. that are innovative, technical, uh, masterful, and, and resonating. And, and they've been making these things for decades, you know, and, and they're still making them. You just, the problem is that's where we, that's where we lose people when they realize, I feel like I've been fooled. I bought all these covers of this book. <laughs> I was told this book was going to rise in value, that this character was going to be important, um, that this story was going to have a payoff, that this would last, that this art team was going to be consistent and promised throughout. They All these different reasons people drop out. And if they don't ever get to the point where they get that bridge mm-hmm. into the other uh, aspect of it, we'll lose them forever pretty much. There's so something you said a minute ago about... Um a lot of people come in because of their favorite superhero. Um, and I've heard Jasmine say this before, actually, sometimes she, I, I'm sure she's not the only one because I'm sure there's other people actually put off into big two comics because, and actually like Jasmine prefers indies over, yeah. over superhero stuff. And I'm sure like this other, I'm sure Jasmine's not the only one to say this, but they're put off by walking in and seeing, um, I don't know, uh, Detective Comics 1087 on the shelves. So they're <laughs> like, well, I'm not picking that up because um, I don't want to buy the first thousand. Because <laughs> like, um, I, I know the big two create various jumping on points like Spider-Man is about to with issue um, 75. Do you ever have that kind of conversation? Do you ever give anyone advice? Because to be honest, for me, I, I, I love reading Spider-Man, but I, I'm not, I haven't bought any comics from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. I'm not, I'm, yeah, may, maybe I might, but like, I'm, you know, I'm quite happy to pick up what's going on right now and kind of just a lot of the time the story you're reading kind of fills it in for you like yeah. you know but but yeah do you ever get that kind of challenge um yeah, a little bit first of all the number one issues sell they usually hmm. sell very well they usually have a lot of incentives and variants attached to it right um and people that come in and just buy multiple copies because they think it's a big deal. This was prevalent when I was a kid in the nineties, number one issues, they said special collector's item, you know, things like that. Right. Um, they've learned over the last few years that a book that's just doing okay. Let's see if we're talking about a book that averages like 30 to 40,000, which is, is decent, I guess. But if you're just around like 20 to 30, you can easily boost your sales every year, peak it up to like 50 to 70 to up to a hundred just by releasing a new number one with a bunch of incentives. Now, do those books mm. sell through? That's a different story. Because remember, comic shops, we don't have the newsstand anymore where returnability is really a thing. Mm-hmm. Some comic shops are, are able to have certain levels of returnability, but it's it's a really, you have to, it's it's a long-winded way, right? To, to like actually be involved in that and, and make it work. But comic shops all the time order tons of comics and they, they, they don't sell. They just sit in a warehouse. Now, Marvel just says, well, we sold this many copies. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but what's the sell-through number? We don't really know that anymore, right? Um, oh, I never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, because be- they've already sent you those copies. So therefore, they're sold. But like 
of those that they have sent out, how many have you actually sold? Yeah. X-Men number one by Jim Lee and Chris Claremont sold 8 million copies, but there was a comic shop I went to where every year up until they closed in like the early 2000s, there was still a shelf of a X-Men number one, all the covers. sitting. <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying? So like, so there's that. And so they, they boost, they do the number ones to boost up the numbers. Here's the thing though. What they used to do is they would really lean in and market when a new team or a new direction was coming on. Mm-hmm. A new, bold new vision of Wonder Woman or Superman or Spider-Man starts at issue, blah, 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 blah. And we sometimes people think, I think it's a false notion almost that the big numbers hold people back because at the same time, the big numbers let you know that you can actually commit to this because mm-hmm. it's been around for a while. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I understand that, but what we need to, like, they used to market it a lot better. There's very little marketing at the big two comics right now. Um, uh, Tom Taylor just started a run on Nightwing, six issues in, amazing. And they didn't feel the need to reboot at a new number one. And I thought that was cool. It has not necessarily affected. Now, here's the thing. They don't get that boost at that first issue. But now the the book, instead of starting big and then just immediately dropping, Mm -hmm. has a chance to do what the comics that I grew up with did, which was grow. Mm -hmm. And when they do this number one, they usually reboot after 12 to 15 issues. That's so obnoxious to a a fan who's trying to commit to something when it's always ending. You know what I'm saying? And and I love new visions, new directions. Um, And I'm not that person who's like so uptight about the number on the book, because in my collection, I still have 700 plus issues of Fantastic Four, and they're all in the right order, right? So Mm -hmm. I can read it. It doesn't matter really, but there is something magical, or there was, at least to me. Um, and maybe we're in a completely different world. But that's another thing that you can do with trade paperbacks is you get to format that in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. You can say, like, and what's wrong with being like Spider-Man 2020 volume one in trade, but keeping the big number on the book to show that this is something that's resilient. It's been around for 50, 60, at sometimes 80 plus years. Like that's something to be proud of, right? That we, we've been making these things that long. You can invest in this and feel like it's not going to go away. But when you're into comics and all of a sudden, every couple of years, your book is over and relaunching mm-hmm. with a triple sized, triple priced issue, it can wear some people down. I'm not overly a big fan of the relaunches. Like, unless it's something, say, you know, I've never read it before. So if I, like, I have done that where I picked up an issue one. Um, but overall, I prefer the like the, what they call the legacy number in, you know, and I saw yeah. a lot of people getting annoyed that Daredevil's getting shut down at 36. And clearly there'll be some sort of issue number one of Daredevil again following. Um, of course. So it, and isn't it crazy that My Little Pony just hit 100 issues? <laughs> but Captain America is very far from it. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, that's nuts, though, right? And uh, the, the legacy numbering, I think, is fine. I think it's cool. I had a whole bit that I was thinking of there and then I lost it because I made that crack about my little pony. <laughs> <laughs> did the, did the bronies right. get to you? Is that what that was? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so what happens like in the shop when something major happens in the books? Like most recently uh, we had Robin coming out as bisexual. Like what, what does that do for you guys, like in the shop, like does it spark conversations? Do you ever have to step in and be like, yo, look, you go to that wall and then you go to this wall and don't talk to each other while you're at the store anymore? 
Now we haven't had any incidents like that, especially over that issue. What we what that what that becomes is we get all of a sudden this rash of phone calls. Hey, do you have uh, this issue of Batman Urban Legends? We're like, nah, bro, we're sold out. And then they're like, oh, are you going to get any more? Like, probably not. They're probably going to do a second printing. Do you want that? I was like, I just, oh, I just really wanted to read it. Sure you did. Buddy. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you heard that it was spiking up to 20, 40 bucks. So it makes us deal with that, um, which is fine. I and mean, if we had the book, we'll sell it to you. And we won't, we don't, we don't gouge the price. Uh, when we initially sell through, sometimes we'll buy them back and then we can, then we'll gouge the price. Like we literally will say sometimes, Hey, do you really want this book? Like after they buy it and they'll be like, yeah, I'd be like, cause I'll give you $10 for it right now. And they'll be like, I'll trade this back in for $10 store credit. And we're like, cool. <laughs> and then we'll put it up there for 15, $16. And then we get accused of price gouging. Like, no, we bought that back. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's a, that's an aftermarket per, uh, purchase now. Um, so it doesn't spark anything like that. The, the most heated conversations we usually have at the shop because it seems like for instance if you look at the discourse on social media it doesn't seem to reflect the discourse that's actually in the comic shop mm -hmm. right in the comic shops it's usually more positive it's usually people trying to share what they're reading and what they like like that's one of the reasons why i wanted to do pop culture philosophers in the way that we do it, is because you know the big focus is yeah we'll say oh that book was so stupid did you see that stupid thing that happened there but at most most of the times it's us trying to be like, yo, did you read this? Was that not crazy? And we're talking about it. But when things get really heated is usually when people are getting in conversations. The most heated conversation we ever had where it was just nasty was an argument over who would win in a battle between Spider-Man and Animal Man. And you have no idea how crazy <laughs> that whole conversation went. <laughs> And how many we had, people like, were involved? There was a people? few. There were a few, but there were two in particular. Are you still friends with them? Well, they're customers. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I mean? <laughs> one of them we never see anymore, so I hope I hope he's fine. But one was a, one was a cat who, is, who only who only reads Spider-Man, right? And then another person was somebody who is a little bit more well-read, uh, meaning like more familiar with more concepts, mm -hmm. including the concept of Animal Man, which there is an argument to be made that Animal Man could totally take out Spider-Man. There's also <laughs> an argument to be made that Spider-Man could take out Animal Man. But what was really funny was it was obvious this one had kid had no idea about Animal Man and it it made it almost lopsided and then he felt threatened I think and then that's when the near physical violence started. Um, Yikes. We took care of that and and yeah for the, for the most part though it's it's very you know just yo did you read that that was great yo or <laughs> yo when you gonna get this next cover where's this cover of Star Wars oh that was a some website's exclusive where are you gonna get it. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> the point of an exclusive. Yeah. Well, unless you go down to Walmart, unless you go down to Walmart, you might find it down there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just wanted to know, like, in terms of actually, like, the comic book management and ownership, what your thoughts would be on things like the rise. I know digital has been here for a long time, but now Substack's arrived. What, what's the what's the viewpoint on that? Because I know basically for anyone listening, Substack is basically a creators now can charge to view your own for their content. So a bit like a subscription for Netflix, but instead you're just paying for that particular. I actually creator. pay for a Substack subscription to um, it's a sports writer that I've liked for a really long time, and she did her own kind of paid newsletter. Where, but it, I, I like it because then you get access to like 
conversations and and things that she doesn't put out to the public or she'll invite you on to like do zoom talks and that kind of stuff um i think it could be interesting because i think there are a lot more people coming up and realizing like i like this thing and if i can just get this thing and pay just for this one thing like i'm i'm willing to do that versus having to go through the big hullabaloo of like making the actual decisions but versus like Oh, are you, is that the right, uh, you're writing it? Oh yeah, cool. That's fine. Like I'll pay for whatever you write. No, like it, I think that that works if you have a favorite would be, would be my two cents on it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. If you have a favorite, the, if, the, yes. one of the problems is people have a lot of favorites right? And, right? and the names that they're pulling are big favorite names. Right. And, uh, and I do remember what I was going to say, you know, what sells just as good as the number one issue an issue 800 or an issue 700, or an issue 1000. So <laughs> legacy numbers have, have a meaning too when they, when they hit, that means something to the community when a, when a book hits that kind of a number, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but onto the Substack thing, I, I don't think Substack has longevity. I don't think it's a, a danger to the comic shops or the direct market or even digital or anything like that. You're not getting, and some people, you know, they do think that this is what they're getting. Like if you pay the $7 a month to James Tynan, that you'll get all of this stuff sent to you. No. Now you're not right. getting Department of Truth. You're not getting something's killing children. You're getting Blue Book for now. You're getting, getting his creator-owned stuff. You are not getting anything that is owned by any of the other labels. You're not getting or, anything from Image or Dark Horse or any of that stuff. DC or his, or his creator-owned work that's being distributed by right. other people. And he's still right. going to do that. He's still make, going to be doing content for DC. He's still releasing books with Image, and these books will get released. Um, in print eventually, you know, like the comicsology originals or whatnot. The thing is there's so many of them, right? So it's kind of like a streaming service. Mm -hmm. I mean, the market is more like a a Patreon for a creator, but the idea to a fan is almost like a Netflix or an Amazon prime. Okay. So yeah, I really like uh, James Tyne. I really like Jonathan Hickman. Really like Chip Zdarsky. I really like Scotty Young. So, okay. All of a sudden now you're spending more money Mm -hmm. to get their, their sub stack. And then here's the thing. I've been through this with Jonathan Hickman before. What happens the first month? I don't get anything. Mm. Like what happens then? Like how many pages are we getting? And and I just don't feel like, so Substack, you know, as you pointed out, it started, they tried to build their business model at first by providing these grants and trying to uh, approach uh, uh, journalism, right? Mm -hmm. So they would get like journalists into it, right? Where you could write what you want. Right. And, and, and they gave certain people to get big names there to entice other people to join. They mm-hmm. gave them grants, some absurd numbers. Right. Um, they've done the same for the comic book side and they have offered some crazy numbers to some. I mean, I've heard wild numbers, but like I don't fault any of these creators for being like, yeah, I'll take oh, that no. check. Yeah. And I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll run with it. But what is the potential for growth there? Donnie Cates, I think, initially got all the fans he's going to get to commit to that for now. Like, how do you boost it? And yeah, you could put ads in the back of your creator own work at image Mm -hmm. or boom or whatever, but how many people are going to come over for that? Like we already know a lot of people. Okay. Some people that love print comics don't necessarily like digital. Now I know people that love digital. I, I don't mind either, but one thing that's not cool is just a PDFs of a comic book in your email. Like that's different too. Right. So like, I don't know. I mean, I've had to read review copies like that um, yeah. and it's doable, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't see where the room is 
to, for them to truly grow that. And I don't think they'll be getting grants in year two, you know, right. but I don't. I thought it was interesting that they pulled comics into it. Like, like you said, it makes sense for journalists because instead of me paying for a New York Times subscription or a Wall Street Journal subscription, if, if I have a writer that writes for those publications that I like, well, now I can literally just pay for their stuff without having to worry about paying for all of the other stuff that comes with it. Yeah, um, and I, I'm not an expert, right? But it makes me feel like the company itself, Substack, did that. Then they couldn't grow a subscriber base after their initial, after mm-hmm. they leveled off. They couldn't grow it any further. So what did they do? They reached out to comics. <laughs> they, saw, they saw an industry that they could make some waves in yeah. and get a new. So now Substack, it, it doesn't matter if it's the journalism side or if it's the comic book side. Now they get to go look at all these new subs we just added. Well, listen, with uh, the way off topic, but with OnlyFans pulling their adult content, shit, maybe Substack oh, maybe. can step into <laughs> that realm and pick up. <laughs> hey, I think we'll, why not? we'll get some saucy Donny Cates content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was going to say the one thing I didn't really get where, where, where I thought Substack didn't really get the whole principle that a lot of people love about comics is actually that we love collecting and love having the physical thing. I know you said some people love digital, but I think the, a lot of the passion started with actually owning that book. Um, and with this just being a PDF, it's not something that, in all honesty, I heard the news and I wasn't that excited about it. I was like, okay, they're just sending out PDFs. I don't know. You know, I recently I have become a convert. And like, I, I, I worked at a bookstore. It was the very first job I ever had. Um, and to this day, like of all the jobs I've had, it's still my favorite job ever. But so I am a fan of physical books. However, the convenience of having like a reader app on my phone. So I, now I like, I have a Kindle reader on my phone. I have, I now pay for like a manga um, app so that I get those regularly. These are things that I never would have considered before, but it's, it's super helpful for any time I'm out and about like, Oh, it's an hour wait for this. Oh, well, I'll just pull up my phone and I got a book that I can keep reading the book that I was reading the night before. So I love the convenience of being able to kind of pull up my phone and either get my comiXology stuff or read an actual book that is on my Kindle. Like to me, the, the blending of digital, it, like so seamlessly into everything else that we're doing has been great. But at the same time, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop buying actual manga i'm not going to stop buying actual books but i am not a, I've, I've never been though i i know i'm weird i've never been a fan of the single issues um because i like i like having a spine and i like being able to see the spine on the shelf um so i love trades and i still buy trade paperbacks but i not really the biggest fan of the floppy so i'll be the one that like buys six digital copies and then turn right around and buy the trade when all six of those individual copies are collected. Yeah. And I like digital for uh, portability and affordability. Like, you know, I'm like trying to read through spawn right now. Right. And some spawn books, especially when they were selling in the low 20 thousands or below, they're very hard to find now because spawns resurged in popularity. Um, so now it's like, they're like, some of those issues are like a hundred, $200. Well, I mm-hmm. ain't going to do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I can get the digital comic for a dollar 99. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with digital too, but the thing is though, oh man, I want to read, reread blue book. Let me just find all these emails. Hopefully I saved them in their own yeah. folder. 
And how many pages we getting? Like, if you think they're, I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I have my doubts about it, but I'm hopeful for it. But I, right now, I don't know if I'm going to invest in any of them. Uh, yeah. Maybe well, the Hickman one, because that's interesting, but I've been through that, man. What happens the first <laughs> time my eight bucks gives me nothing except for like one half-assed newsletter and one graph. And I'm like, oh, okay, bro, I'm out. Yeah. I'll just wait. I'll just wait till you uh, put this out in print. Yeah. One, but it's the same one. thing like we did with all those streaming services recently. Like people are like, oh, we're going to cut the cord. I'm not paying for cable anymore. Okay. You don't pay for cable, but you've got seven different streaming services that you're paying for. So like you're not saving any money Yeah. and it's almost like you can't not have them, right? Like you can't not have Netflix. You can't not have Disney plus, like you might be able to get away with not having some of the niche things, but like I pay for four anime services. Like, I mean, who, who, you're not you're not fooling yourself by saying like oh i'm i'm gonna cut this cord and i'm gonna save some money but but no you're not like yeah like you said if you've got five favorite artists like you're really gonna spend 40 bucks a month just on their content while also still buying all of those other comics from the yeah. mediocre people that you like yeah if you got the choice like if you're a tie-in fan and you got the you got seven you're like here's my budget i got seven dollars i want to spend on tie-in each month are you going to subscribe to his Substack? Or are you going to buy something is killing the children and department of truth? Get what I'm saying? You're probably mm -hmm. going to buy the two comics that you could probably eventually sell later on for a little bit more of a, of a profit because something killing the children is blowing the F up right now. Y'all yep. I'm like, man, I need to get all mine together and sell them. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've got all, all 18 issues so far. And I, every now and again, I think, should I? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait till they do that show. Yeah. Wait Here's, till the Netflix show comes out. The problem yeah, is yeah. what if the show comes out? Nobody cares. <laughs> I know. I know. Like umbrella Academy. Like, so, uh, <laughs> a nice little, uh, segue. There is no segue here. We're going to just move over and like chat about PCP. So what we'd love to know, Robbie is, how did PCP start? The YouTube, the podcast, the website. I know you talked about how you used to make tape recordings when you were younger, but what, what made you make the jump into sort of YouTube and podcasting? So when we were doing the music stuff, uh, I had always wanted to be like a filmmaker too, right? And so you had a production company. It was called Smile or Else Productions. And we, we came up with a website. And my buddy Kevin was like, we need to have something that we could put on the website every single week that would be new, something like a podcast or something. And I was like, podcast, I, I think we could do that. So we started, uh, that's when we brought back Rockin' with Rock and Robbie, and we started a show called The Smile Lorel Show. And The Smile Lorel Show was originally hosted by Mike, my buddy, who you've probably seen on streams before, Mike06. Yeah. And, uh, and then I did my show, and we just kind of did that. Smile Lorel was about movies. We would always end it with the top five whatever we were talking about, like action movies or sci-fi or this director or this actor or whatever. Right. And I had at a certain point I had, a we had stopped podcasting for a while and life got in the way. And then I had, uh, I, I had this like infection, this gnarly infection from like a, an abscess tooth and I wound up in the hospital. It was pretty serious. I wound up having to have two surgeries. Um, and I was in the hospital for like over a week. It was like a week and a half. And, uh, I don't, it did, that kind of changed my perspective on some things. And I was like, I want to really commit to doing something because I'm tired of always trying to do things and just kind of not really committing to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I want to rebrand 
the, the idea of the podcast and I want to start a YouTube channel associated with it. And I was like, I want to do the podcast, but I want to try to go not just talk about our favorite movies, but talk about why they're our favorite movies. I had this passion to try to explain or to, to, so I grew up in, in the church in, in the Baptist church and I was training to be a preacher. I was about to join and I was even doing pre-seminary classes by remote. Right. So like I was going to be a preacher. And so taking a biblical passage, dissecting it, finding the relevancy of it in modern times and kind of spewing that out to people was something that I liked doing. And I had this idea that you could do the same thing to pop culture, right? With Star Trek, with Star Wars. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's the hero's journey. Um, Superman is, is the same type of a figure as Jesus or Horus. All right. You can look at mythology. You can look at superheroes. You can look at our fiction. The stories that we tell ourselves define our reality and the stories define our inner reality and our inner worlds, right? The archetypes. I'm really big into Joseph Campbell. I'm really big into Carl Jung. I'm, I'm like, I'm really into this idea of a collective unconscious mythology type thing that we have that we express through our stories, which have become more and more sophisticated over time and how we tell them, mm -hmm. right? And so that fascinated me and I wanted to kind of dive really heavy into that, but we never quite went into that full vision that I wanted because other people were like, ah, I'd rather just have fun and poke fun at the movies. And, but we would always try to do that. Like, what does this mean? You know, that's why we still do that bit on PCP movie night. It was like, what's this movie about? What's it saying to you? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, and we even did that for a movie like Iron Eagle, you know, but you can, <laughs> you can pull something out, right? Like Joe Corrala was on the show. We were, we were doing mall rats. We are like, what's Mall Rats about? And everybody's like, well, I guess it's about, you know, the mall or this or that. And Joe Crowell's like, it's about, uh, you don't need to change who you are. You just have to not be an asshole to be a better person. Hmm. And I was like, that's great. He's like, because Brody is a comic book nerd. And in the 90s, that was kind of looked down on. But he was never not cool because of that. He was just not cool because he was an asshole. He didn't treat people well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is exactly what this show is supposed to be. It's about mining what pop culture can be in a philosophical sense at the same time, having fun. So we wanted to be positive, insightful, and entertaining. Um, there's so much negativity out there and, you know, but we don't want to like oh, yeah. just sit there and, and shit on things. And mm -hmm. we'll let there's you know enough of that think. going on. Yeah. yeah but That's we'll a, let you know what we think we'll, we'll be honest. We'll be critical. Um, but so that led to pop culture philosophers. We started the podcast, started doing a few YouTube videos, movie reviews, PCP movie nights, one of our very first shows that we really did. Um, it, it was one of our first collective shows we did as PCP and verse, the first episode was Friday. Um, and, and we're still doing that uh, PCP movie night. And so that's always fun. Um, and then I started doing the comic book reviews around the era of rebirth. I never thought people would care about comic book content. Right. And so I just, I covered the, the three Joker thing and that video kind of took off and we got some subs in. And so I started covering more comics and then I decided I would do a weekly comic book review. And that was almost five years ago. We're going to be five years on the weekly comic book review at the beginning of October, every, every Wednesday or every week, every for five, five years, the weekly comic book review. I'm very, very proud of that. That's the most consistent thing that I've ever done. And the thing I'm most proud of. Um, so I'm really excited to hit that milestone. Um, but that's taken us to where we are now. Building the community is me and my friends talking about movies and what they mean to us and, and how they maybe affect our lives. And, and now we have a whole community, the PCP Army. Uh, I've met you two. I've met other fantastic people across this entire world. 
and formed friendships and bonds and, and great memories. And it's just been one of the absolute best things I have ever been a part of is the building up of the community of pop culture philosophers. So oh. thank you all for being a part of it. Station. Oh, Five years, man. Congratulations. That is nothing yeah. to scoff at. I mean, that, that takes a lot of work, a lot yeah. of work. Speaking of, when do you have time to sleep? You do so much. When do you sleep, man? I typically sleep between the hours of 1130 and seven. How do you have time for that much sleep, Robbie? I don't don't believe you. Sleep's important. (laughs) Okay. Some nights, maybe 12, 1231. There were some nights during the Olympics where uh, they were like, Robbie, you look tired today. They'd be yep. at work and be like, Rob, you look tired. But like, I stayed up till two o'clock watching USA basketball. Yeah. And, and I probably drank too much while doing it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but now, how I, do you juggle? How do you juggle your life with all of those? Yeah. You know, fa- family, YouTube, <laughs> you know, a new girlfriend, um, podcasting when you were doing it before COVID. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, still trying to figure it out. You just, you have, I have a schedule and I stick to it. The only problem is sometimes it becomes too routine and that's when it starts hitting the grind. Yeah. Right. But that's why I learned it's important to plan breaks. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right now on PCP movie night, we're on a two month or two week break before Horror Fest because we're going ham this year for Horror Fest. Trust me. Um, <laughs> so we, you know, we got two weeks off and things like that. But it, it is it does sometimes take up so much time because, you know, we do a stream on Friday nights and I do the Dylan's Horror Show on Saturday nights. Well, that's two weekend nights right there. Oh, what about the third? Oh, Rock and Robbie live on Sunday. Um, so I'm trying to balance it out, taking some time off here and there. Um, but for the most part, I just have a, a schedule. I stick to it. My everyday average life is rather boring. Uh, I wake up, I put on ESPN, I shower, I brush my teeth, I go to work. I, uh, I do that. I sell comics. I do data entry. I, I make orders. I do very <laughs> elaborate, fun stuff, but I have a lot of fun with the people I work with. Some of the the members of our crew are my coworkers as well, Mike and Jay Strick. Um, so we have fun at work. I come home from work and uh, I usually do something involving PCP, whether it's a, a show or a video or, or something. Prep work, something. Prep, prep work, watching a movie for the, you know, the coverage that we're about to be doing. Um, but for the most part, that, that part's really fun. So, um, but yeah, then, you know, you just go to sleep. When you, but I, prior, <laughs> I prioritize sleep. I really do. Okay, it's good, good. Because you important. always, every time I get like little notifications, I'm like, oh, Robbie's live again. Oh, Robbie's live again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I used to do it way more <laughs> and uh, I had to cut it back. But uh, yeah, it's, sleep's very important. Maintaining that schedule is important. But as far as the balance of everything, I'm still trying to figure that out about how to make it not feel so routine and boring. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And try to keep it exciting. And I'm not just talking about creating the content. I'm talking about life. You know, like yeah. when you're involved with someone, like it can get very tedious to that person when they only have access to you for these small windows. Right. Right. And so that's something that you try to work out. And sometimes you're just like, bruh, sorry, y'all not doing rock and Robbie live, not doing the wrap up. Just sometimes life is important, but I will never miss the weekly combo. <laughs> I, I think there is something to be said, though, on the other scale of a relationship, though, when you're always available, like, you know, as a couple that can get a bit boring if you're just there every day every moment it's like 
yeah. a little bit like don't you have a life of your own like <laughs> is, is your is your life just me like you know so actually having your own interests I think makes a relationship work too so sorry I'm getting a little bit philosophical now so um but it's something I've always thought like you know you need to have your own life and be happy in yourself before you can step into a relationship with someone else so I'm getting all deep and meaningful now. Um, I agree. It's one of the things uh, that she that she told me told me uh, attracted her to me was the whole PCP, my routine, my schedule, my. She's like you, you're you're like you're like you're in charge. You got it. And I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome that you feel that way because <laughs> in between, I just sit here and scream at the walls. Now I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows a level of discipline that people don't always have, and I think that that's probably the biggest difference between like discipline and motivation. Like I rarely, rarely ever have the motivation to do much of anything, but like I am disciplined when it comes to the way that I keep my schedule. So things get done whether I want to do them or not because I know that they have to get done versus like, I don't feel like it. Yeah, I agree. Um, something that you did earlier in the year, which I thought was really cool and exciting was your um, own exclusive cover. Uh, you know, you talked about the comic shops earlier, but I thought it was cool that PCP had uh, Blood Skulls and Chrome. Uh, how did that sort of come about? And are you going to do it again? Um, so that came about because my good buddy Bueller from Comics with Bueller had uh, done uh, an exclusive comic with Second Sight Publishing for Blowtorch, number one. And he hooked me up with the guy who runs Blowtorch. I think it's Bradley Golden, or not Blowtorch, but uh, Second Sight. And they reached out to me. They gave me the opportunity. And uh, they had certain books that were out. And they pitched this one. And I was like, you know, that sounds kind of... I, w- I wanted a, a horror book, but... Uh, they they it, that would have been a little bit longer of a wait, and so I wanted to kind of get it done and do it then. And so we commissioned Jonathan Lau to do this book. They they said was kind of like Sons of Anarchy, and that's what it is. It's about these biker gangs and drug cartels, and and it's very macho and that kind of a thing. But you know, we were thinking biker gangs cover homage to the 1970s Ghost Rider number one, and so that's what we got Jonathan Lau to do, and, and we put it out and put it out there for the PCP Army and. uh we sold some. We still have some. So if anybody's interested, you can shoot an email at popculturephilosophers at gmail.com and uh, get your own exclusive cover set. I'll even sign it. Yeah. But we have no plans right now to do any more. But there are some possibilities that are out there that I have been kind of, there are different things in the works right now. And uh, when it's time, we'll talk about it. But nothing immediate happening right now. We've stopped recording. You can tell us. <laughs> just a joke. We haven't. Like, just in case. <laughs> yeah. But um, actually, that that actually is a good segue. What's coming up, Robbie? Like, you know, I know you've got Horror Fest. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, that's the big. That's the big launch. It's our favorite time of the year, Halloween time, and so we're going full on ham. Horror Fest is something we've been doing every single year that we've been around and some form or fashion. It started even way before PCP. Me and my friends, the same friends, Brooks, Jelani, John, uh, Mike, and others, we'd get together. We'd watch horror films. We'd try to fit in as many as we could in the month of October. And then we realized we couldn't put too many in just one month. So we, then we made it September as well. So starting the first Friday in September, we're doing Horror Fest yet again. We're going ham, bro. We got, we're kicking it off with a Hellraiser franchise, all 10 films. Oh right? my gosh. Wow. And so then every Friday night at 9 p.m. Central on Pop Culture Philosophers, it's Fear Friday. It's Horror Fest. We're going to be talking about Fright Night. We're going to be talking about Evil Dead. 
on the exact 40th anniversary of its release in its first theater. Um, we're going to be talking about The Howling. We're going to be talking about Creature from the Black Lagoon. We're going to end it all with the Halloween franchise, all 12 movies. Oh, wow. Going big. Grief. We got a poll. Uh, audience choice 28 days later has won that poll pretty much. Oh, I voted for that. <laughs> and then we got a Joe Corallo poll uh, where Joe's going to be joining us. And Joe is really into some D E F G Z list movies. And he's given me a selection of a few of them. And I had to look them all up. And there are some weird stretches on that D list movies. I would suggest a movie called Milo. Milo. Well, there's this one he suggested that I checked out a little bit of called Crocodile Fury. <laughs> which it's so freaking wild. These movies are the weirdest stretches ever. So we're doing some good stuff. And then of course, in conjunction, Dylan's horror show, which I co-host every Saturday night on Dylan's horror shows, YouTube channel, um, 6 PM central time. We're also doing horror fest over there. So when we do evil dead two on Friday night at PCP, we're doing evil dead two over at Dylan's horror show. When we do the howling the next night, we're doing American werewolf in London over there. So he's got a good schedule all together. It's a, it's a shit ton of movies. And I am freaking pumped for that. <laughs> well, that kind of brings our conversation to an end of you. Like we won't keep you much longer, but I just want to say thanks for jumping on for our first, what will be an ongoing feature that we're going to try and do here is conversations with people like yourself. And, uh, but yeah, thanks for joining. It's been great to get under the skin of yourself and PCP. Yeah. I learned some new stuff. Thanks for sharing. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, that term under the skin, you know, I have been watching all these Hellraiser movies, so that has a different connotation. <laughs> it's but, definitely uh, not that it's definitely not that kind of connotation. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I do appreciate it, y'all. Y'all are the best. Keep doing the good work because y'all are doing the Lord's work. Station. <laughs> i'm telling my boss that look man i need another week off i'm doing the lord's work here it, work, it works like, in alabama sometimes <laughs> well i mean it's got to work in texas right it's got to like, work in texas it's got to <laughs> i'm not sure it's going to work here um so uh anyway in our next episode we will be reviewing cult of dracula volume one from source point press and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our ninth Late to the Party book club episode was Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. And that episode dropped mid-August. And this month, we are going to be reviewing... I'm excited about this. That's why I'm laughing. We're going to be reviewing the first two volumes of Why the Last Man um, by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. You can also follow us on social media everywhere geeks unleashed instagram facebook twitter and robbie where can they find you well you can find me on twitter at the rock and robbie but everywhere else it's pop culture philosophers on facebook on instagram and on youtube you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast google podbean apple spotify we are everywhere so please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends you can also give robbie five-star reviews everywhere too yeah <laughs> <laughs> station and good journey. Oh, God. Good journey again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Good journey. Good journey. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cheers for listening. Hey, you guys still here? What? Oh. Still here? You stuck around for the post credits? This is our first uh, post credits. We're doing a Marvel. And uh, <laughs> thought we'd give you a little post credits after our chat with Robbie. So Robbie's gone. Yeah. And you're, you're stuck with the originals. Yeah, Deanna, yeah. Me and Jasmine are here to talk about the the franchise that gives you the post credits with everything like, yeah 
we are uh, we are freaking out and geeking out and uh we're gonna share that with you guys too so thanks, so this for, episode, thanks for sticking around this episode was just gonna be a conversation only and then when the trailer dropped for spider-man no way home i was like jasmine we gotta do it we gotta do it so we we're gonna give it. we're gonna give something a go that we've never done before we're gonna react to a trailer <laughs> In a podcast, yeah. so there's no visual. There's no visuals here. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we we've no idea if this is gonna suck or not. But let's just give it a go. Bear with uh, us, please. <laughs> if you don't like it, please uh, don't tell us. Anyway, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, anyway. we're not. Keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we only want to hear from the people that love this. No, no, yeah. I'm joking. Actually, no, no. Let us know either way. If this is a good idea, maybe we'll do more of these. Let us know. Comment, comment. Send tweets. Send DMs. Send flowers. Anyway, right. You ready? Yep. Right. Right. Oh, Peter and um, some suggest that Parker's power MJ are on the roof to hypnotize females. Stop. I really kind of love her like dry sarcasm too. <laughs> Just, like, I love the fact that there's been all these memes about how his leg is crossed and it looks like a four. <laughs> <laughs> Public enemy number one. Oh, is that Matt Murdock? Listen, dun, dun, I don't think Mysterio. it is though. The drones did. The drones. It could oh, be. It's got, it I could reckon be. it's got. I reckon the fact they didn't show his head. It's got yeah, to be Matt it's Murdock. gotta be. It's gotta be Matt Murdock. If it's not Matt Murdock, people are gonna go nuts. I love yeah. the fact they got the devil of um, Peter Parker in the background really there, like is it Mephisto? Lie to people. For the record, I never. They're quite cute fly. couple together, like holding hands. Yeah, I love them. Okay, so walking through the now school corridor. I don't know why you would go to school if you got exposed for being a superhero. Like, I'm not going to school. Oh, I'd definitely go to school. I've just no, <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd fix all of this. I wouldn't. Okay, Marvel logo kicks in. <laughs> so, Peter. So, is Strange like snowboarding sorry, or what? I know, Please, I know. The whole house is covered in snow. Really like I love the fact that he's wearing a hoodie college, underneath sir. his. Okay. Yeah, he looks super Steven. bummy. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> oh, I, oh <laughs> we just missed that. He goes, oh, Steven. He's like, that was weird. When but I'll allow it. That was yeah. funny. My identity, my yeah, I thought it was funny that he went from Sir to Steven as opposed to going from Sir to Strange. Okay, don't cast Oh, and is Wong leaving to go help out Shang-Chi? Yeah, that's got to be where he's going. Yeah, gotta be. I won't. Okay, so he's about to cast a spell. And and Peter, like like Tom Holland, never shuts up. Ever. Ever. It's like art imitating life. Stop tampering with the spell. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. Stop talking, and then everything just goes nuts. And we get actually, it looks like a lot of the same kind of graphics that we got with um, Into the Spider Verse when when oh, time is like folding in on itself. Music, Spider Man music, and I guess with the ability of space time. We got electricity, which would maybe suggest electro. Don't really yellow, see it for some reason. The problem is you trying to live two different lives. Okay. I love We've got the Iron Spider. The you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. Ooh, what? Green Goblin? Oh, Green Goblin! <laughs> and this is Be it. careful what you wish Be for, Parker. Oh, yeah. oh, that voice. Oh, no! Oh. Hello, Peter. Heck Hello, yeah! Peter. Honestly, Man! Alfred Molina still looks... So good as Doc Ock, like that was really cool. I you love that they, one. You know, you know they made him look younger for the well, of course, trailer, but... like for the film. But anyway, like um, that was amazing. Like honestly, so December seventeenth, this says uh, exclusively in movie theaters everywhere. 
no Disney Plus. I'll be there. I'll yes. be in the. I will be in the best seats in the house. I might actually be there on a Friday night for that one. That that might be a Friday night event. We uh, <laughs> we normally record on a Friday. Anyway, like we'll figure it out. We, we'll figure it out. But anyway, guys, look, we are ending the episode now. You all, we there is no secondary credits. So, no. but we're super uh, excited. This trailer was awesome. There's lots of good stuff. I can't wait to see how they bring all of the Spider Mans together. Oh man, let's hope there's some Spider Girls in there too. But yeah, man. that looks freaking amazing also i'm crossing my fingers holding my breath i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm hoping we get a tiny sliver you be quiet mark a tiny sliver of miles morales like please 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 they won't do it i mean they won't do it now they won't do it yet they yeah one day they're not they're not gonna step on they're not gonna step on peter's reign at the moment like tom holland's living it could just be like a peek into a world that is closing through a portal where like the spidey senses tingle and peter looks through and then this little half black half latino kid looks through and they're like ah you're me and then it just like fades to black come on i don't think i I don't think they'll do it i don't think they'll (sighs) i I only think all you're gonna get is toby Maguire and um andrew garfield i think that's all you're gonna get i don't think you're gonna give you anyone i think the thing is though they're bringing back so many characters that yeah i mean let's be honest the danger here is i mean we didn't get an amazing spider-man 3 but Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3 was terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Amazing Spider-Man films were so bad they didn't even get a three. Yeah. So I am concerned, but the so let's hope that Sony don't somehow. I'm I'm hoping it's pure Marvel that have driven this. Not. But are Disney. we also gonna get like we're getting all these Spider Men? But are we getting any like are we getting another MJ? Do we have a Kirsten Dunst popping up? Well, there's rumors of her, but mm. I look look. <laughs> All right, let's just go. Right, we could talk about rumors all day long. So, <laughs> anyway, we will see you next week. So, unless and and there is no planned uh, trailer reactions unless more craziness drops. And if there is, we'll do more of these. Yeah, so, sure will. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.